0: people it's red it's done
1: and it's the corona mixtape hour we've played some selections from Vado's slime flu mixtape series some of my personal favorites right now i'm going to play a little bit of that gucci mane bird flu i'm going to end this i think off with uh travis scott sycamore something to kind of ease your virus fears out there so uh be well be safe and uh, wear the masks
0: that's actually on point though. <laughs> I tried. I want that mixtape. No, Vado had some hits. I yeah. feel like, you know. That that's like that mm-hmm. like a, Vado a, Vado, actually.
1: Vado, Vado, I forget.
0: A, a <laughs> coronavirus themed mixtape, uh, I think, will be very popular in
1: yeah, the streets. No, I think it's something, uh but you know what's gonna be sad? It's gonna be so many horrible rapper bars in like fucking two months. <laughs> so many bad fucking rapper bars. Face <laughs> <Thanks, laughs> off the coronavirus. <laughs> And they're gonna try to make it link to like the crown uh, of the beer. I already uh, see these metaphors I mean, coming out.
0: I, I, I'm just waiting for the racist bars to come out. Oh, the racist bars! I, I can imagine. Come yeah, out.
1: I can definitely know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God bless America. But, uh, good evening, ladies and gents, Registone, we're here to talk. Um Before we kind of get into the fun, I kind of want to talk about something sad. Right when we recorded last week's podcast, everybody kind of found out that Pop Smoke died. Uh, rest in peace kind of reason why i want to kind of go into it before we even start everything off is the idea of where in this new cycle it kind of gets it's easy to kind of forget shit and how shit matters yeah and the thing is what kind of struck me with the fact of him passing is that we've been doing this podcast for two years now right Mm -hmm. two years and i did the math this is not the first this is not the second and it's not the third time we've had to basically do our r.i.p For MC, has been taken up way too early. Yeah. And it's fucking depressing. Yeah. Like, and and I think it's, you know, you had a lot of takes on there, a lot of hot takes, and maybe you should have been on social media doing this and that, and all this, and, you know, people cracking some dark jokes, and and I get it, I crack my dark joke periodically online also, but... What's kind of depressing is we forget these motherfuckers is fucking
0: young. Yeah.
1: Like, young. Yeah. At least when we talk about, you know, the 27 Club and all these old rock stars, you know, at least they were able to have, like, albums and leave a legacy and have, like, records. Like, we're talking about cats that are passing away where, like, you know, they've got a mixtape. Oh, yeah. You know, we're talking about cats where I think it's the idea of where they kind of say how... We kind of look at, like, uh, particularly the African American artists that passed early, like, we aged them up. Pop spoke was fucking 20. And it's kind of easy to see him as this, you know, larger than life MC, but like, what does 20 fucking mean? 20 means that if he was a character on a Netflix show, he'd be like a 20 year old sophomore in college trying to mm-hmm. holler at a girl. You know what I'm saying? He, he can't even get to Magic City legally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we're talking about that young. And I think it's the idea of where, you know, we kind of can get let this get normalized in our heads. And it's kind of cool to kind of, you know, say RIP and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, it's a fucking tragedy, a big tragedy. And we just kind of can't get used to this shit because it's fucked up. Yeah. It,
0: it, it's it's funny too, just because I remember when we were building the notes for the show and you're like, oh, pop smoke. And I remember when, when it happened and I remember going on the hip hop heads Reddit and just, I don't know dive into this whole wormhole of like conspiracy theories but I just remember like the the traffic around his death and then a week later it was just a blip that was not even in my memory and we do a music podcast every week and it's just kind of crazy now that you're right like this is getting normalized this is getting this is something that like nobody's like really kind of I guess like speaking out about you know it's just happening and people are just kind of like all right cool you know, this is, just comes with the territory, and, like, that shouldn't be the case.
1: Yeah, at all. And it's the idea where people talk about, well, you know, yada, 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 you know, gang affiliation. Yada, 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 he should have put his address online. You know, there's always killers out there looking to take pay people, pay people down. But it's not even about that. He's fucking 20. Like, society-wise, you really can't let, like, our youth like that's 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 our investment that's our fucking future and you know like you know the, i'll even be fucking greedy as a music listener i like fucking what he was doing i like the way he was going and it's kind of fucked up where you know such a young talent got robbed like that that's art we lost that's somebody's brother that we lost somebody's cousin that we lost like you know that's you know guaranteed at that point in time people were eating off for of his career and what's fucked up is the fact of you could say that dude was in hollywood hills in a white-ass mansion away from all that nonsense, technically. And it's just like it still finds a way to fucking grab you, and that's what kind of depressing about the whole situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really followed up with the case. I know there's a bunch of conspiracy theories that he, like, posted his address on on Instagram, or, like, people found his address, like, you know...
1: Yeah, I heard he owed money, and you know, this, yeah. who related? Blah blah. Um, and then it's there's like this whole
0: thing with the Rolls Royce. Yeah, where like he transported the Rolls Royce from California yeah. to New York, and people are saying, "Oh, like that, you know, yeah. might be a hit for that." But even
1: that—that's some young dumb shit. Like, that's what gets me is the idea of where like there's nothing. All right, here I'll I'll, I'll end it on this note. I've been so also at the same time. If you think about it, we've had these two documentaries. Yeah, a documentary about Justin Bieber. And yeah, documentary about Taylor Swift. Both these documentaries are basically trying to rehab these pop stars, right? Yeah. So the crux of both documentaries are, is the fact of where, hey, these two people started, you know, when they were 15, you know, 13, 14. Suddenly stardom hit them. And they were kind of raised in a bubble. Yeah. And they were kind of not shown how to live life. Kind of, you know, like, like now you're a star. and Now, now you get, everything gets weird. Everything gets rushed, yada, yada, yada. You kind of, you don't have a normal way to growing up. And I think going back to the idea of the conspiracy theories against the press is that a lot of them kind of set it up as if it was his own doing. And it's not. Like, he, was, his path was set up <laughs> a certain way just by the way American society was kind of set up.
0: I mean, but, but who do you blame in these situations? Do you blame America? Do you blame... I blame
1: fucking America. God yeah. damn it. Probably, yeah, because yeah, the thing is, it's the idea of where going back to those stars, it's like they're able to spin a narrative of where, oh, well, you know, these guys, you know, it's unfair. You know, suddenly 14, 15 mega contracts they got roadies they've got producers they've got their parents they've got an industry built around them so you know it, that's why taylor swift didn't discover like this this prompts the world until she was fucking 30 you know mm-hmm. that's that's why she grew up in this bubble and they forget that bubble goes both ways where you know he he grew up in a place of where you know socio-economically depressed it's not it's mega mega poor but canarsie's not exactly rich you know yeah. what I'm saying? In a system that kind of pushes you toward a certain kind of way. And like, and like you know what I'm saying? Like, even with him flossing, if, like, but taking that, that conspiracy theory, right? He shouldn't have done that. Man, if I was 20, you know how I, I had fresh Tims, man? Woo! You would see me out there sp- sparkling. Uh, no, I know, I oh, feel bro you. Oh, to jeans? I feel you. Woo! You he could not tell me nothing. I'd be out there blasting it out. So even that's some young, stupid shit that we do when we're 20. And it's fucked up where they flip, like, oh, he has something to do with his death, where it's no, it's we had to do it. You know, a collective universal we.
0: And I think, like, the biggest thing is, um, and I'll, you know, in this point, you know, our music, like, fandom is so splintered now. Our music attention is so splintered now. Um, You know, with all these rappers dying, it just doesn't even seem like there's a united, like, hip hop front saying, like, uh, you know, just being more vocal and being more out there and being more like, hey, you know, um, let's get some of these questions answered, right? I just feel like none of that is happening uh, for these young young rappers. And I think that's just unfortunately because the the society we live in, we have too much, too much attention. <laughs> <laughs> we have too many things, like, vying uh, and grabbing for our attention hmm. um, to the point where, you know... There just isn't that mass uh, of, of, of people, like, you know, demanding answers for, like, Pop Smoke, right? And I think that's really sad. I mean, you know, unfortunately, this thing happened, but there's also something where, you know, like, even to Biggie and Tupac, there's a mass of people who, like, demanded answers, and we got no answers in terms of, like, who actually killed them. Um, well, yeah,
1: no, it's it's. Yeah. But
0: there, at least, there's a mass of people who are upset, and there's people like going after the LAPD, and like there are people who are just like really trying to push it and like getting the FBI involved and whatever. Like, I'm sure there's conspiracies of why nobody's been found, but like shots none... shook Nights
1: knights. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it's a CIA coup, maybe. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, but but we we don't have that. We had we we didn't really have that with XXX or, you know, like we just don't have that anymore. I think that's like the, the most striking thing, uh, with these rapper deaths, uh, uh, these deaths of rappers is just, we just don't have that community anymore. That's just going to have that groundswell of, of, of support for his family. And also too, like just demanding answers and demanding change.
1: Yeah. I know, man, We gotta do better. Yeah. And on that note, let's talk about positive stuff. Fail concert series. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh wow yeah so uh this was actually really funny so gold like so there's this flyer that popped up and it said Lo- lovers and friends right my favorite <laughs> and it had like Megan megany on there it had snoop Dogg. it had uh who else was on there um little kim Lil kim was on there it was a
1: weird mix of anybody who's Vaguely in R and B for the last twenty years. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: first off, it was like a weird collection of people. It was just like it didn't even seem it was built as kind of like a throwback R and B festival. But again, you have Megan Thee Stallion there. It's not R and B artists. You have Snoop Dogg who actually put out two decent R and B like albums. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, like not known as R and B artists. It's almost like it's a collection of black people. Yes. You know. But this this flyer dropped. And then all this thing, you know, people were just like, is this fire Festival? Um, And I think the first thing they noticed is that Megan Thee Stallion was already committed to play Broccoli City in D.C. And then, you know, artists started coming out and saying, hey, like, take me off the flyer. or Hey, like, I can get a deposit for this. Or hey, like, whatever. And it's all kind of happening in real time. And, like, there's, like, these Twitter investigative reporters, like, (laughs) you know, like, compiling information and posting real-time updates. And it was hilarious. And everybody basically assumed that it was Fire Festival 2.0. And I saw the flyer. And the first thing I noticed is, like, the producer is Golden Voice. And if you don't know who Golden Voice is, they're the people behind Coachella, and also a couple other festivals like Stagecoach Festival they do it's like a country yeah. festival if
1: you if but... you know your star wars they are basically the evil empire yeah <laughs> but i mean but you know they're not they're not jarrul
0: right like yeah. they're like they
1: they have got they've got, they're, they're billionaire funded you, they're they're yeah. big big yeah. big dogs arguably probably some maybe next to what's the big uh glassenberry
0: uh, yeah, Glastonbury, like it's modeled after like Glastonbury. Yeah, so maybe and all those like European one of the festivals. top two probably oh, revenue yeah.
1: generating festivals in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So at first I saw that, I'm like, I guess I gave them the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, well, if Golden Voice is on here and they're not saying that they're they're not doing the festival, then at least like there's a reputable name that's behind this. It's not like some, you know, fly by night. But somebody fucked up. Somebody, I think what might have happened is they released a the flyer too early. The people who were like confirming the deposits and working with the managers and doing whatever f- forgot to inform the social media person that X amount of people were not on the flyer. And there was a miscommunication
1: there. And uh, somebody somebody fucked up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's it is something is, I kind of see it because going back to the the lineup, the lineup is fucking insane. You've got Usher. You've got TLC, you have Lauren Hill, you have Brandy and Monica, who I'm pretty sure hate the fact that their names are next to each other. You've got SWV. you've got Lil' Kim, you've got Nina Sky, you've got pretty, pretty pretty much anybody who's got a decently big pop hit pop sorry pop. R and B pop crossover hit in like the last twenty years is fucking here. Some of Walker's here. Yeah. Even your news goes represented. I, I like you said, it goes back to the idea of where it's marketing. It's the idea of where probably they had certain things <laughs> that certain things in place. You know, ticket sales are X. We have to hit these kind of margins by Y. And you know, probably did, unfortunately it's a black festival. Probably had a couple of, you know, a couple of dudes involved. <laughs> you know, Ray Ray and them. Then it make sure all those checks were signed beforehand. That's racist. Yeah, I'm weird, rails.
0: But I think I think yeah. that's the thing though. Like I like would like they wouldn't let Coachella happen like
1: this. Oh you know, no. It's 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 probably like, because I'm assuming and I, I can even see, see what happens. So so long story short, I get Snoopers involved. But probably had promoters because, at least smart enough, Golden Voice probably knew that they don't know the market that well. Yeah. So he probably worked with somebody else who knew knew the market enough where it's like, oh, here's our budget. We'll work it out. We We could get all these acts. They probably made inroads with some of these acts managers. They put it on the flyer because we're happy to have that. Flyer with basically pen and pixel ass font, by the way. It's all fucking golden and fucking diamonds and shit. It's weird. And you know, they had they had to make sure ticket sales went on sale and tickets already went on sale, actually I believe. Yeah. I think you're having a second day already. So it's and I think it's less about they jump the gun, but the idea of that not everything was in place and it's very social and the social media I should say. And so obviously if everything's in place and somebody says, Hey, you know, they at fucking Usher, like I wanna see you on fucking May and Usher's like, Motherfucker, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but that's
0: the thing, you had that. You had yeah. Usher, you had Lil' Kim, to, like take my name off the flyer. <laughs> Uh, I forgot who, like, you had a few artists who were just, like, Mace is on there, and Mace was like... Oh, yeah, Mace is adamant. He's, like, I ain't... Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I guess, like, uh, there's the article where, I guess, yeah, they did hire an outside promoter, and the outside promoter is, like, oh, like, trying to explain everything, and, like, oh, Lil' Kim was, like, out of town when we, we confirmed it with her management, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, again, it's just, like, it... it it makes me nervous, right? Like, if I am going to spend, like, $200 on, on this, uh, you know, is is this worth my while? Wow? Um, you know, it just
1: kind of, like, makes me wonder. Really? Uh, I, 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 like I said, they have the bag. They will roll up with the with the Brinks truck, <laughs> and Rick Ross will personally come out and hand you those bills of cash. Because, <laughs> like I said, they're such a machine of Coachella that there's no way this festival is going to drop the ball. I think the issue, like you said, is the idea they worked for an promoter, and like I said, worst worst case scenario, could going to come in and just fix that shit anyway because that did is that's their money, you know what I'm saying? And, and and like I said, I'm looking forward to the festival. I hope it's I hope it's a hit. Uh, like on paper, it's a fucking fantastic festival. I wish I was on the West Coast. I hope it's big enough of a hit so that way next year it could be on the East Coast. Mm. It is fucking fun all around. So well, yeah, but what, what date is that? It's May. Let's see. Uh, at Los Angeles, May. Wow, right last year. That's probably why. Right around the corner, May 9th. Oh, okay. Where? Yeah, so that's probably why they had to kind of get it out there because it, it yeah, is kind of late. Yeah, March is yes. around the corner. That's you got, mad late. Yeah, you got you got two and a half months basically. Yeah, you three months tops. Wow. Yeah, so that explains I, everything.
0: I, I, I'm kind of curious about like how this all came together because it, it does seem a little rushed, you know? Because yeah. they announced Coachella like almost a year in advance. Oh and, yeah,
1: agreed. Yeah, but know? it's outside promotion, and like I said, I kind of get it because at least they were smart, smart enough to know that hey, we can't do this on our own. We need to have somebody who knows these acts. Yeah. Is just probably, you know, time and pressure. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. They'll, they'll make their money. Yeah. All the bags will be spent all around, and, you know, we'll all be online trying to get in, paying $300 <laughs> for these tickets. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's talk about the big album. So, yeah. a little small, Reginald Stone fact. The reason why we started this podcast was we were drunk at a party drinking free alcohol. That's right. Debating a certain artist who I was hating on for years. And eventually I came around and I was like, oh, this guy's dope. I just let that and mindset maybe think that he is whack because they were trying to push him down my throats. We're talking about the young troubadour from the UK, redheaded boy, King Cruel.
0: The dude. The dude. The dude, King Cruel, is Krul.
1: back. <laughs> woof, 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 This depressive shit. <laughs> There's a total non-change to the rest of his music.
0: Well, it's, it's fun. All right. So if you don't know King Cruel, it's, it's kind of hard to, to explain. Like, he's basically uh, very British, but an amalgamation of, like, jazz, a little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of folk and indie. But I would basically say he's, like, this crazy avant-garde jazz artist. Like, even if not every track sounds like jazz, like, just the way he approaches constructing those tracks. Just seem like jazz to me. it Just seem like completely deconstructed. Agree.
1: He definitely has. He's, he's somebody. Yeah, it's deconstructed. He's somebody who approaches it from that kind of an angle. Like it's less songwriting. Like he definitely has hooks. He definitely has beats. It's somebody mentioned I guess his um dub influence because I guess mm. somebody in his family somehow has to be an that and you kinda get it. It's 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 minimal but maximal. It's just like he leaves a lot of space in his music to kinda let I guess guitars and depression in.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And it's depression
0: as fuck. Yeah. Like it it's very much kind of him observing the world, like he's just like this loner dude that's observing the world and looking at the world crashing down around him and making observations. I feel like that's kind of like his shtick um, in a few words. Um, and if that's
1: your bag, you know, like this album is for you. Yeah, it's just going back to the coronaviruses. If you want to sit back there and watch The World Burn on CNN, this is the perfect soundtrack, guys, <laughs> guys and gals. Um, no, for like it's, 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 I think of him as the idea of where. You know, remember MySpace, the beauty of MySpace. I love MySpace. You know, back the in best the day social where, network ever. you know, you were out there grabbing all these influences. I think he's somebody where he obviously has his his jazz chops, solid guitarist. And, you know, he's somebody where I think somehow out of future, either collaboration or a beat or something. He also has like a little rap career, makes some beats. He's just somebody where as any real musician now, as opposed to when we were growing up, genreless is the idea of where yeah. I fuck with this, I fuck with this, I fuck with this let's put us all in the fucking bag and so that's basically his career where it's been a good mix of you know it's i think if it's anything i'm kind of describe it it's just moody like is it something where it's just like you know because and because like even with the last album that we both kind of gushed over was the ooze where it was like i feel like 80 hours long <laughs> but it was stuff where you would have like almost like post-punk you would have straight up jazz, you would have straight up like 60s rock ballads, kind of. Yeah. But it kind of all kind of went to this filter of where very bassy, very minimalist, very kind of just sound sketches, soundscapes kind of coming in and out, almost like a like a jury, like like let's say, 60s freshman record in Magic for his real life. What's kind of interesting with this record is that, as opposed to that old record, The Ooze, you had, it was very long, but it touches a lot of distinct genres, very specific. We could say, "Oh, here's the here's the upbeat pop punk song." Yeah, here's the one that just definitely could be like almost glassperish This one's kind of stripped a lot of those extra ideas out, very specific ideas, and kind of made it into this more oozy depression kind of album. And the thing is, I'm saying it over and over again as if it's a bad thing. I think it's not i i think that it kind of gives it a more of a focus now i've read a couple of things and it feels like people are kind of mixed like i think the guardian kind of panned it Mm. but it's the idea of where it's a more straightforward vision of what he was what he's going for when he does his depressing albums it makes any kind of weird kind of sense
0: you know definitely and i i think for me it's it's kind of i don't know like like sometimes artists take like left turns and right turns uh throughout their albums and i kind of just like the fact that it's it's if you liked his last two albums you like this album yeah like it's it's sonically it's similar like he's not doing anything i would say like brand new um he's I just think, gone deeper yeah into he's that same, deeper. yeah yeah i think like the content uh and like the lyrics are like very interesting uh, but I mean sonically it's 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 very similar and I know like sometimes that could be like a downside because you want artists to kind of grow and mature but sometimes you just want artists to just like not you know just like stick to what they know is, is going to to be the best expression of what they want to do and I think that's what he did here um and you know again like there's there's some tracks here that I think they are very like almost like like British uk punk uh there's some you know tracks that I feel like could end up on the last album and maybe it did, like don't let the dragon drag on. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that could easily been on the ooze, you know? But I think it's yeah, I think it you know, it's not like a huge departure from a sound, but I don't even wanna know what a huge departure for King Crow would would sound like.
1: Oh, I think he's he's got like I said, you had tastes. Like he's definitely done straight almost rock songs. I can imagine a rock song out of out of King Cruel. I could definitely imagine the straight jazz album out of King Oh Kruel. yeah, oh like, easy. Would, Yeah, yeah, easy. I would love to hear that. But uh but I, I kinda like this this and I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to describe. So like, I, there's a there's a band I love, a noise band called The Body. Mm. Now, I remember I was reading an interview with them, and he was saying how like you know I don't listen to a lot of metal much because pop music is so grim. <laughs> 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 I get my darkness out of pop music now. Mm. So it's kind of weird to kind of you know it's it's like I'm not gonna say that it's unique in this space because there's definitely a lot of dark sounding pop music. Yeah, but it's kind of nice to have somebody kind of play in this weird gloomy kind of space where. It's just not about like you know because he's somebody where again going back to the ideas, the reason why I knew about him is because Pitchfork was raving about you know all the bloggers yeah you know oh here's this young kid he's he's like barely in his teens blah 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 but get his dope music you usually want to hear them it's like oh it's gonna be BS and it's only after a while where I would I would hear little products here and there and I was like oh shit this kid actually has talent so it's kind of very easy to kind of say well you know he's kind of doing his sad and this that everybody else is doing but there's an artistry to it there's a poetic to it yeah It's something where it, it feels like you know, like it's like the last album that uses a breakup album and it's, and it's something where you feel sad. Like yeah. it's, it's something where like, you know, I have, so ironically enough, it's gonna be, you're going to be off the record guys. So <laughs> me and Sonny are going to see him in King's Theater in a couple of months. Yep. But I'm also going to see him in Seattle. Oh, right. I bought tickets to, to Seattle so it's going to be like, he goes on at midnight. <laughs> so I expect to go up there just trash drunk with a whole bunch of probably Caucasians and it's just drinking and singing along just to the sadness of it and it's kind of like just diving into this world of just like you know breakups and sadness and everything else and yeah. it's something kind of communal and cathartic at the end of the day I think people kind of have this idea of where sad music is about the sads but it's really about just letting the sads go yeah,
0: yeah. so there's a couple things with this, this album um so it's interesting uh apparently he had a kid the, the Pitchfork review said, like, you know, it's like, oh, he had a kid, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be the next album is going to be super interesting. <laughs> um, I can't be sad no more. And, like, imagine having King, King Cruel as your father. Yeah. Like, that's going to be kind of crazy. But, you know, like, like it's, it's, we joke about um, James Blake, where he moved to Calabasas, basically. He has his more up to album. Uh, apparently according to the Pitchfork album he moved somewhere to some remote town in the northeast of England (laughs) so he's doubling down on the sadness no apartment in Calabasas (laughs) (laughs) you know he's all about that life I can't be mad
1: (laughs) I applaud it man sometimes you gotta gotta, gotta double down double down But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a solid record. We, we, I, we both like it. You know, like I said, it's, it's something interesting to see how kind of people divide it. Because like I said, people expect new the brand new. It's yeah. going to be interesting. But somebody kind of doubled down on the sound. And I'm, I'm kind of, like I said, he's young as fuck. So we've got a lot of years of interesting records coming out from him. So it's, it's another solid one. So props to him. Yeah, props. Yeah. And I guess another one we're going to talk about is uh, Moses Sumney. Yeah. Great. He's dropping a double album. He dropped the first half, which is gray one. I even know if there's a name. Yeah, there, part one, know, gray barely. part one. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, for me, what I thought with the sound is kind of the same that you kind of expect for him. I, I, it felt like at least the first half of the the first half of the side, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot more maximalist, uh, a lot more interesting production. He's somebody where he's known for pretty much his voice and very stripped down yeah. melodic ideas. Um, definitely the first half is definitely grandiose. It felt like he had the Dr. Dre money behind him. <laughs> Chasta, Innocent Pac. He's got violins, <laughs> weird things here. You know, his best attribute generally is his voice. If you see him live, it's like, Mwah. it's just pin dropping. He's just beautiful. A lot of us is behind, let's say filters, pitch, pitch shifted, things like that. A lot more experimental. As the side goes on, it becomes more and more stripped down. For me, when I first heard it, I was like, this is not what I necessarily want out of an artist. Mm. And I go back to the idea of King Crew, where it's just like, we kind of put artists in our, like, you know, box. Yeah. So for me, you know, I imagine it's Moses something. I come home, put a little intense on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> put on Netflix and chill, perhaps, you know, a minister for melancholy. You know, <laughs> Sit back, you know, wait for my, you know, my, my significant other to come over and, you know, get some buns. Yeah. I felt like the first half of the album was a little bit more maximal. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's somebody where he's... He's been in the game for a minute. I remember when I first heard about him when he was curating, I think it was Bonnie Verse, like festival. He had like he was involved with it. Some yeah. weirdness very early on, where he's been kind of doing this avant-garde music for a minute. So it was cool for him to kind of capture that side. And also at the same time, he's still a solid ass songwriter. So, like my favorite track on this is basically a song called Polly, which obviously is about Polly And What's interesting about it is that, you know, it's, 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 I think it's just a guitar line in the background and he's singing and he's talking about, you know, all this sexual innuendo and about doubting himself. and Oh yeah. But then what's great is in the very end, there's a point where he sings in a higher falsetto yeah and it's almost like a counterpart. So he's yeah. almost playing both, both parties. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, oh shit, like this is, he's nailing it musically the melody is a fucking unfuckable yeah. and storytelling wise it's a fucking great little piece of work
0: yeah that's my favorite track on the album too yeah. like, oh. it's it's incredible
1: oh it's, it's just like oh he's like watching fucking like tens tens across the board <laughs> watching the perfect <laughs> QA way land and fucking ice skating and like yeah I'm just looking forward to the whole album and it, it's something where it's cool seeing two things one obviously black art was always done at a high level but it's cool kind of seeing them get the budgets yes <laughs> and the opportunity to do so yes yes yeah so all right my, my
0: my first uh first thing about this album is going to be a prediction you want to hear this mm-hmm. 2021 rap album of the year grammys
1: really you're joking. sadly enough i am, where jo- I am joking i, 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 I am you, joking you said that and i don't doubt it because there's a couple of us the word <laughs> parts. so i can imagine your average 85 year old grammy listener on some like whoa <laughs> <laughs> Just got kind of a little hip hopper. I, I did
0: not expect you to take this serious.
1: No, I actually believe it. There's at least like two spoken word parts. Yeah, I can definitely see it. I mean, I, I mean, it, it,
0: it, I don't know. I feel like it, it has just as much singing as Igor. So yeah. who knows? But um, just to get serious for a moment, like I like, I wasn't taken aback by the first half of the album. Like I did think it. You, know, you could tell he has some higher production values, and he secured the bag, and I'm happy for that always oh, it, could it back oh, always yeah, could it back but it was it didn't seem drastic for me it didn't seem like such a departure it didn't seem like he was trying to make like a radio hit like like, I remember, like, like uh, Tune Yards and, like, her first album where she was, like, homeless and she was re- recording on, like, a, you know, her iPhone or something. And her last album is literally just her in a full band and you can tell they got all the studio time in the world, right? It wasn't that drastic of a departure to me. Uh, you know, like, somebody who's, like, so minimalist to kind of go quasi-maximalist. I feel like he did it, but he did it in a way that I think still complemented his sound which is his voice um so yeah I wasn't yeah it didn't bother me like it could have been a lot worse right like he could have like you know employed I don't know some I don't know like like somebody who would completely fuck up his sound and I don't think he did that um but yeah it's like I the more I listen to Moses Sumney the more I realize that he is a fucking genius and we must protect him <laughs> 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 you know, and it's just—it's just very, it's just truly amazing. Like, like he's making music that's kind of like, it's almost genreless. You know, like he's always kind of said that he—he he used to have this fight that he wanted to um be known as an alternative music artist. He wanted to be known alongside Radiohead and like you know, why you? he doesn't want to get pigeonholed into this, like, you know, whatever. Alternative R&B. Yeah. I,
1: what's it called? It's Alternative Urban? What is it called? Uh America? Urban.
0: Uh, uh, urban Alternative? I forget. Urban I forget. Alternative, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> which is, like, that's where they will end up on the Grammys. Hmm. Um But I do think he kind of leaned in more to the soul, especially the first half of the album, a little bit. Um But even then, like, he's just making this amazing generalist music that, like, I mean, nobody can really imitate that... It's just unique. And I and I don't feel like again, like just like King Cruel, I didn't feel like he like strayed away from what why people love him, he just he was able to kind of I think mm-hmm. elevate it. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. Like yeah, no, I am that, truly a fan. I,
1: I think once we hear the second half, part two, great dose. We'll we'll we we'll get the full picture, but right now it's solid. Like I said, it's I was hating in the beginning. I was like, oh, there's a lot of lot of instruments here. I like them stripped down, stripped down and naked, sexy sounds. <laughs> it's play in the background while, while, while I you know wind and die, my 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 lover. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, but it's solid as fuck, and it's 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 it really hits you in the feels. That's the thing I think about him is that it's he's a very intimate artist where even the like the because his vocals his vocals are just so. Sweet but so whispery, yeah. And so, I think for me, the initial listening, you know, again, in my own ignorance, I was like, Oh, I wanted to hear just the vocals and a little guitar, a little piano in the background, but like, I can't deny it worked. Like, you know, the first half, those first songs are solid, yeah, solid as fuck. So, yeah. yeah, props to him, definitely, yeah. And then, um, on my end, I just want to have a one quick, quick segue and shout out. Uh, about uh, three weeks ago, there was a festival here in New York City called Dweller. Was basically it's a it's a festival. shouts to Frankie, she organized it. Where the idea is for within like the black techno house, you know the EDM quote unquote space. Even though a lot of the actually pretty much fucking all the pioneers house, Detroit, I mean Detroit, Detroit, Chicago, New York City, all these places that kind of started started the house music movement, started fucking techno, yeah. kind of got erased over the years. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a festival a couple of years a couple of years ago. Wow. Jesus Christ, rewind! <laughs> anyway, last year, motherfucker, she decided to have this idea to have the fucking festival, to have POCs show up and play fucking the music that they fucking started. Nice. And she, she fucking followed that shit up again this year and guess what people that shit was fucking dope nice. god damn it there it is was that the one that you was, yeah you, oh, and then the dude. thing is I tried to go to some of the I, the thing is I fucking washed so I, I couldn't make to all the shows I wish I I wish you, I wish went with you I, yeah. I had to move that day. you know I had to do yeah, like had all a whole, unpacking had a whole, that day he was, you, you you were leaving the poverty of Harlem <laughs> to come down to the gilded cage that is New Brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> living in a tenement <laughs> um, but no no, that, that that's amazing Yeah, like, it was I, fucking awesome and that's it, cool and the, and the thing is it's it, it was and it, it was a real success. I think I tried to go to the first day. Had a like a panel of her and shots Out the speaker music where they were talking about just the idea of making you know keep techno black yeah um, or make black techno black again. I forget the exact what they said, but and it was like packed. Like I could get in. It was like packed. Like they were giving out free alcohol and shit. Mm. So and then like all the events were a success. I could only really show up for the last daytime one, which is pretty fun. But um, it was great. But since then I've been kind of listening to kind of just basically more house to techno. Yeah. Um. So, on that same kind of riffage, basically, I think it was a week or two ago, you had Ace Mo, which dropped, which is basically uh, New York City Cats, two of them together. It's basically Ace Mo. Well, oh, sorry, Ace Moma rewinds. So, the act is called Ace Moma. Damn, I'm, I'm fucking up today. I blame that Corona. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The act is called Ace MoMA. R.I.P.
1: Corona. R.I.P. Corona. Beer.
0: Like, y'all taking the L right now. Yeah, the act is called Ace Uh, MoMA.
1: It's made up of Ace Mo and Mm Momoretti. And they're basically making, like, techno house. But what's interesting is the idea of where, as opposed to making anything that sounds... So their sounds that they kind of grab from feel like it's strictly from 85 to 95. Yeah. So you have house, you have techno, you've got jungle, almost borderline drum bass not so the first time I've heard a record like this I think a couple of years ago there was a record that crossed over by Zombie called Where Were You In 92 mm, yeah but with that record it felt like very much like oh here's a sample you haven't heard in 20 years oh here's this this beat you're really used to yeah with this it felt like they used that as a jumping point but the way they used it it was ways where it's very modern mm. so it wasn't felt like a very hokey like a nostalgia trip they took something old and made it very new. So like I think for me there was a track and let me find it. It's called uh, yeah, Amen to Swing, right? Mm-hmm. So where it starts off you've got a little 4-4 you know, four, four, spread up so it's more techno. You've got little hi-hats. You've got this dark bass line, right? So it sounds a little, little deep dark dark techno you hear at 2 or 3 in the morning, right? Yeah. And then slowly you realize that there's a, a jungle break beat kind of gets chopped up so it kind of comes in and as opposed to playing the little little, it gets chopped up so it just kind of comes in even though it's four four periodically mm-hmm. and eventually he, they drown it out and bring in this classic like 1987 acid house cheesy synth. Like two step as fuck. And it's like, oh shit, this fucking track was just kind of like, you know, it took you basically from like, you know, you have this little, you know, that dark sense line, let's say like 2000 dark dark techno. Yeah. Into like fucking, you know, this little jungle break into like this fucking crime, like 1987 acid house shit. Yeah. And it's just kind of, they're kind of working at a level where it's not really a nostalgia trip, but it's kind of half this like, this is our, this is our, this is where we've been, this is our back. Yeah. Like we know this shit hardcore, this is our DNA. Yeah. And it, it's kind of cool, kind of hearing me this classic sound into like modern techno yeah that's so i've been rocking that for the last couple days so props that's to them that's what's up yeah that's what's up yeah cool and right. yeah, that's about it i think yeah, yeah. that's it uh, y'all stay out there safe you know what i'm saying right now on registone.com, we've got uh free corona masks you know what i'm saying we've got you know lysol on deck We've got fucking antiseptic fucking wipes. We have the cure. We've got the cure. We have have the cure. (laughs) I'm going to become a preacher now. I'll be like, we got the... Y'all need Jesus. Well, you
0: have to wire us the money first. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And we'll get right back to you. (laughs) Yeah, but seriously, y'all, stay safe out there. You know what I'm saying? Don't buy into that bullshit racism. You know what I'm saying? Support your local fucking agent shops. You know what I'm saying? Be safe out there. Take care of each other. And as usual, fuck the system. Peace.